Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, hey, where you been? Buckeye Talk is about to begin Hey, 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 come on in Welcome back to Buckeye Talk. Doug Maurice, Nathan Bear, Stephen Means, and it was Cheesecake Factory. That's what we did for Father's Day is Cheesecake Factory. It's Tuesday. It's Buckeye Talk. It's all about recruiting today. We're going to get to the 2022 class next week probably. This is a reset, a, a reevaluation, a look ahead, how it's going to finish of the 2021 Ohio State recruiting class still ranked number one in the nation. Um, so Nathan and I are just going to sit back and drink iced tea. Steven talked for half an hour ago. Okay. Not quite that, but almost that we do want to reset a little bit. So there are some of you, I will say some of you are so informed about recruiting and some of you love the Buckeyes, but do not follow every day, every single in and out of every guy who's here and who might be here and who might commit, who might go somewhere else. So, we're trying to appeal to both demographics here. Um, if you if you really, 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 really follow Ohio State recruiting, like you'll be talking along and nodding your head and be like, yeah, yeah, I get it, I get it. But still, context is good. All this stuff still matters. The 247 composite rankings, Ohio State clearly number one, 19 commits, a total of 301.15 recruiting points for the class, however they tabulate that stuff. Clemson is number two with 14 commits, so that's five fewer than Ohio State, but they only have 260 points. So if you look at, there's a 40-point gap, a 41-point gap in the way 247 does these composite ratings, 41 points between Ohio State and number two. Before you get to another 40-point gap, you encompass the next seven teams. So Clemson is as close to, to ninth place as it is to first place. And Clemson has the second best class in the country. So, so that's how like far ahead Ohio State is right now. Um, but what we want to do at the start is sort of look back on what we were talking about at the beginning of April, as we now get here to the end of June. And I'm going to refer to a, a, something Stephen wrote under the headline of could Ohio State football's 2021 recruiting class be the nation's highest rated of all time. And at that point, the Buckeyes had 15 players in the class and Steven theorized on seven more guys 
who maybe could join the class in the future. And one, two, three, four of those seven, Stephen, are now off the board, right? They have committed elsewhere. Mm -hmm. When you look at, we can go through these guys a little bit. J.C. Latham, Hudson Wolf, Kamar Wilcoxon, and Najee Story. Again, this is the fun part of recruiting. You, you anticipate, you, you make your educated guess, you see what happens. Are you surprised? Is this just the way it works that, that four of those guys you had on the board two and a half months ago wound up picking another school? Two of them, yes. Two of them, no. A Nazi story was, you know, just, let's just say, you know, they fill out this class with two or three more five stars, and then they want to add a guy who's maybe a developmental guy on the defensive line just because they can, and he's an Ohio guy. That was the case with Nazi story, adding him in there, and then Kamar Wilcoxon, if they were trying to add another athlete that they could just put in the defensive back room and figure out where they exactly want to put him. J.C. Latham and Hudson Woodson, uh, well, I'm sorry, Hudson Wolf are the two shocking ones to a degree. J.C. JC Latham had been crystal balled to Ohio State for months to the point where it was almost, I think I texted a, a texture about this when we were having a conversation. I said, he's the one where at any moment he can commit to Ohio State. So just keep on your P's and Q's about that one. And then I think the week I was on furlough, maybe four days before you know he committed, every single crystal ball that was for Ohio State flipped to Alabama all of a sudden. So something happened there where he decided to look in a different direction. And that might be because Ohio State is looking into another five-star offensive lineman from Virginia by the name of Tristan Lee, who uh, Travion Henderson said he's still on hard to try to join this Ohio State class when I talked to him. And Hudson Wolf, if Ohio State was going to add a second tight end, he was probably their best chance of doing so. And obviously he decided to stay in state and go to Tennessee. So it would be interesting to see if Ohio State still wants to add a second tight end to this class to replace the two that are going out. Or, you know, they did have a boatload of tight ends that they just offered within a 24-hour period. Do they just look to do that in 2022? Uh, Nathan, you ended up writing about that when J.C. Latham did commit to Alabama uh, while, while Stephen was on furlough. You know, again, you're, you're in your first major recruiting cycle here um, with the Buckeyes. Were you, was it weird to you at all? I mean, it's like Ohio State has done so well in recruiting – and it's like, oh, wait, here's this guy they thought they were going to get and they really wanted, and he picked Alabama. What was your view on that? Or is that just like, hey, that's recruiting, man. That's how it goes sometimes. Yeah, I, I didn't think anything too crazy about it just because they had just so consistently on, on that run of getting pretty much everyone they wanted so early in the process. You thought that a correction was probably coming at some point. Um, at some point, there were guys that they wanted, and either because positionally it didn't – fit as well anymore or because um, they were taking other targets off the board who then teams got to maybe spend more time going after some of these other guys. I don't know, but I felt that there was a correction coming. It wasn't going to last forever that Ohio State just got to pick whoever it wanted in the country to come into this class. It felt like that for a while, right? Like there was a month where it just felt like Ohio State was like saying, hey, we want you. And the other guy was saying, yeah, I'm, I'm in. And it just it seemed like every single decision was almost looked that easy from the outside. And that wasn't going to last forever. At some point, other they were going to lose, for lack of a better term. I'm not always a big fan of winning and losing on individual battles and recruiting in terms of how we describe it. But in, at some point, they were going they were going to not get guys that they wanted, guys that were going to pick other schools. And this was just an example of that. So I, I want to sort of save the who they still might get for later. First, we're going to sort of start with who, who have they not gotten here, and then we'll try to, to anticipate who still might be added to this class. Again, 19 commits so far in 2021. But, Stephen, just as you sort of mentioned, when you look at the 247 tackle rankings, 
there is not another major guy among the tackles in 2021 who has any kind of nobody in the top 50 tackles, which takes you down into the overall 600s. Of none of those tackles crystal balled to Ohio State in, in any significant way. And again, crystal ball for you guys is a lot of these recruiting experts from different sites make their predictions on where guys are going to go. And 247 sort of tracks that and, and keeps a list. And the different recruiting sites say, hey, who got the prediction right and that kind of thing. But it is a little bit of a gauge. We're not crystal balling. But I mean, we don't have any national context. It's better when it's coming from people who are covering recruiting as a whole. J.C. Latham, the number five tackle in the country, he's the number 17 overall player. He's committed to Alabama. None, none of the top four tackles are committed. Tommy Brockermeyer, he's the number five player, number one tackle. He's 75% to Alabama. Amarius Mims, number six player, number two tackle. He's 100% crystal ball to Georgia. Tristan Lee, as you mentioned, Stephen, number 11 player, number three tackle out of Virginia, He's 58% to Clemson, 8% to Penn State. And then Nolan Rucci from Pennsylvania, he's the number 15 player in the country, number four tackle. He's 50% to Penn State, 38% to Wisconsin. Just uh, You mentioned Tristan Lee. Stephen, do you think it's at all possible or reasonable that Ohio State still ends up landing a major tackle who's still on the board in this class? It's possible, but, you know, I wouldn't put a large sum of money on it. And it's possible because there's only two offensive linemen in the class, and so they are almost at a point where they can get picky. And if, you know, Travion's already throwing the name out there, and I understand they're in the same state, so he's going to do that. But you know, I'm not going to rule it out there because some of that probably plays into why J.C. Latham went in another direction is, you know, they've started – they Ohio State started to look in some other directions as well. So I'd say it's possible, but of the – Three top 15 guys who are left out there that Ohio State's name has been thrown around with, he's the one I'd put the least amount of money on to say he'd probably be a Buckeye by the time signing day rolls around. Again, Ohio State pretty good at the guard spot in this class. Donovan Jackson's the number uh, number one guard in the class. He's committed to Ohio State. Ben Chrisman, the number six guard, he's committed here. And then Jagger Burton is the number seven guard. He's out of Kentucky. He just pushed his commitment date back, but he's still in the mix for the Buckeyes. But again, we'll, we're going to get to that a little bit later. I want to go through again some of these guys that we thought might be here who aren't going to be here. Hudson Wolf, we've sort of been talking about the tight end recruiting. Again, that is was he just a guy, Stephen? Was he just one of the guys in the mix at tight end, or, or was he like really high up their board? He, there were a few, but he was definitely of adding the after Sam Hart. He was probably number one on the list of who's the second guy we're going to add. It's definitely Hudson Wolf, and obviously Terrence Ferguson and Jordan Dingle have been in the mix as well. But that was the option number one of adding a second tight end was Hudson Wolf. And I don't know. I know. I know Nathan. You've done a little bit with some of the the tight end recruiting. We, we've talked a lot about you know what Ohio State does with tight ends, and and is this a place that guys should be coming again? When you have a guy like Hudson Wolf. Number 211 overall player, number eight tight end. He's from Tennessee, where Ohio State has gotten a little traction the past couple of years. But Tennessee, the University of Tennessee, has been recruiting pretty well. He picks the home state team. He picks Tennessee over Ohio State. How do you view a recruiting battle like that, Nathan? Well, I think it's interesting specifically about tight end, because I'm not sure if there's another position where Ohio State is maybe more vulnerable from a recruiting standpoint, because I don't 
I think it's difficult sometimes for them when they're recruiting at the top of the national board on the very best guys at that position. It can be tough for Ohio State to sell itself to tight ends the way it can sell itself to pretty much any other position. You have a better perspective on that than I do. I'm no, I agree with that. I mean, we've talked about that, and you can dispute that. I mean, if Ohio State wants to dispute that, and I'm sure Kevin Wilson would dispute that, you know, it's just we're just going by the recent history. But, and again, But I think it's wrong. It's the one position where when they don't win, I almost – I don't know sympathize isn't the right word, but I, I understand why it happens a little bit because I don't know how Ohio State necessarily sells itself to those guys at the very top of the tight end list. If you want targets and if you want um, a, an ability to be showcased in an offense, that's probably not going to happen at Ohio State. That doesn't mean – that doesn't mean – really good tight ends won't want to come here. Obviously, Jeremy Rucker was a five-star recruit. They've had other guys come here. So they can get great tight ends. But I'm just saying it's, it's, the, it's the one position where I think it's the toughest argument for them to make, the toughest sell, because there are so many other places you can go. You just within the Big Ten, places like Iowa, places like, um, you know, Purdue. Bryson Hopkins last year had, I don't remember how many receptions. I think he was like the national leader for tight ends and receptions and ended up being a, what, like a third-round draft pick. I mean, he, you know, there are other places in the Big Ten that can showcase a tight end better than Ohio State can. And that's so sometimes when it comes to these decisions, I think they're going to lose some of those decisions in a way they wouldn't lose it at other positions. Because at any other position, you can pretty much, Ohio State can probably argue, we can, you can come here and be a star no matter what. Which is why they have to sell that there's more to being a tight end than just ca- 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 uh, catching passes, which is part of why Jeremy Record is here. He felt like that part of his game, I don't want to say mastered, but that was the best part of his game. But there were other parts of being a tight end that weren't that way. And just for a quick thing on 2022, Benji Gosnell felt the same way. He understood that, yeah, there's more than just me catching a ball that goes in the tight ends. And that's one of the reasons Ohio State's high on my list right now is because they can help me with all those other things. So they have to find that balance of, Someone who's obviously highly ranked like Jeremy Record is, but also understands that there's other parts of their game they need to develop as well, which when you're 17, 16 years old, you're not always thinking that way. You're thinking, how can I be showcased on offense? I do also think tight end is one of those positions. There clearly are positions where Ohio State has to go out and recruit nationally for guys, mm-hmm. right, if they want mm-hmm. to win national titles. I don't think tight end has to be one of those. Luke Farrell is an Ohio kid. Jake Hausman is an Ohio kid. Joe Royer Ohio kid, right? I mean, you, you, Nick Vanette, who was successful here, Ohio kid. It, it's one of those positions where if you wind up with, well, you know what? We missed on a couple guys and we wound up with the kid, you know, kind of down the street who maybe isn't a top 100 national player. I, I think you can probably be okay. Now, Sam Hart, the guy they do have committed is from Colorado. So they'll still out, still go out and get some guys, but you know, it's a little different than maybe missing on a tackle or missing on a defensive back or missing on a running back, right? That it's like, holy moly, we've kind of got to go out to get top shelf guys because we can't rely on Ohio State, on Ohio, the state of Ohio, to necessarily produce those guys. Rashad Barry was a lower rated guy. He was a he was a productive player for Ohio State, you know, for his whole career here. And they caught it, they probably could have used him even more if they would have needed to. And so I think you can win with Rashad Berry and Luke Farrell. And so it's one of those where, you know, it would have been nice to get a guy like Hudson Wolf, but I think it's less uh, of an imperative than other positions. And to uh, that point, some Ohio guys, Jack Poo, who's committed to Wisconsin right now, he's from Hilliard. Mitchell Evans, who's from Wadsworth, a three-star guy. So to the there are guys in their backyard. They could go, you know, knocking on the door if it's really that essential to add a second tight end in this class. 
Yeah. Do they I, need to go get a second tight end in this class? I don't think it's a, necess- a necessity. Over some of the other things you probably need to get, want to get in this class, I don't know if it's a necessity. I mean, if you're wanna, if you're just doing it to replace two guys leaving, then I get it. But I think they I do. I mean, like there could Farrell, be three guys leaving. Farrell and Houseman are leaving, and Ruckert could leave. Yeah, there's there's no sophomores, so that right now, the only guys behind them are Cade Stover, who's a position switch, yeah. and, and Joe Royer, and then Sam Hart in this class. So it's possible. I mean, if Ruckert if Ruckert goes pro, then they only have three tight ends in 2021, yeah. the way things stand now. So I, you know, and then even, and again, they they sort of have this gap here. I, they moved Cormonte Hamilton. I guess they could always move him back if they really needed to. Uh, it feels like, and I don't know, I, I didn't examine the numbers the way maybe Steven has. Eh, you know, it, it's not always a one-for-one. One. They're Farrell and Hausman are seniors. That means we need two freshman tight ends. But I think it's a position to need. It feels like, and, and here's the thing too. Steven, you're kind of, is this what you were trying to say? A couple of those Ohio tight ends who are committed elsewhere right now, maybe they go back and try to flip them late if they if they miss on some of these other national guys. Is that what you were sort of implying? Yeah, that, that's not off the table. But also, I mean, the transfer portal at this point, that's also in play. So, yeah. But, yeah, Jack, Jack Q is somebody I would at least watch as a guy who lives 15 minutes from campus who's committed to Wisconsin who, I mean – We've seen it before. Be, We've yeah. seen it before. Now, Wisconsin, again, Nathan, you're sort of talking about Big Ten schools who might use the tight end more. I mean, he might get used more at a place like Wisconsin. But we have seen Ohio State in the past with some area kids, some local kids. Sometimes they go out to the country, and if it doesn't work out nationally, they come back and they try to flip kids late. And if they are kids who grew up Ohio State fans and dreaming of an Ohio State offer – Sometimes, you know, the loyalty of the school that offered you first or whatever, whatever, that wins out. Sometimes the lure of being a Buckeye wins out. So I, I do think that's something to keep in mind. Kamar Wilcoxon was a guy, Stephen, that you thought might be a Buckeye. He's a defensive back from IMG Academy in Florida. I think he now in his commitment has gone, is this correct? Florida commitment, Tennessee commitment, back to a Florida commitment. Is that correct? No, 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 no. We have to go the whole story. It's been Florida commitment, Florida decommitment, Florida commitment, Florida decommitment, Tennessee commitment, Florida flip. That's his journey. Oh, this is his third time committing to Florida. Yes. Why? How? To and what? Counting. Degree, and count. Well, yeah. that's true. <laughs> to what? And I'll just say something like this: Sometimes when you have a kid like that, and it's nothing against the kid, sometimes a place like Ohio State, then in the end, it's just like we're good. Yeah. Like it's it's okay, but. I'm not saying that's a good sign or a bad sign, but if it's an overly complicated recruitment, then Ohio State sometimes just says, well, we can just go get another player of, of pretty much equal talent where it maybe isn't so complicated. What made you think that maybe he had a chance to be a Buckeye at some point? The, 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 the way that they were kind of recruiting that def- defensive back room at the point, and you know, not all of those, obviously with Jalen Johnson, he's probably going to end up a Sam linebacker. I think we've had the discussion before. He's listed as safety, but he'll bullet Sam linebacker, whatever you want to call it, who cares. But then you also got, you know, like he can play either cornerback or safety because he was listed as an athlete for so long. Now, obviously, he's listed as a safety. You, what, what's Derek Davies Jr. going to do as well? It, the idea of them adding another defensive back to the room, especially if Tony Grimes decides to go elsewhere, wasn't off the table, and he's a guy that kind of fits that as a lower-ranked guy who doesn't necessarily – isn't a five-star guy who you're expecting by their second year to at least be in the rotation. But it's not going to happen now. No, so, no, I mean, no, I made sense no. at the time. It's just not going to happen no. now. And then, again, Najee's story, 
sullen kid, committed to Northwestern, felt like maybe it was one of those guys guys who could be like a late local ad Mm -hmm. for a class. And I think maybe he just decided, I want to go now, and I'm going to go pick Northwestern. And I like when kids like Najee's story from Northeast Ohio, who are good players, um, wind up at Ohio State, because I like when good Ohio kids wind up at Ohio State. It was maybe it felt like a little bit of surprise in the moment, Stephen, when he picked Northwestern. But I don't yeah. know that it was a shock, right? That he's not going to be a Buckeye, right? Because the idea is, uh, as a Buckeye, you're a, you know a, maybe a four or five year development guy. While at Northwestern, he's probably going to be a starter next year, as a sophomore. So those are the four guys that are off the board from where Stephen was making some projections uh, in April. And so let's go to the three guys. And again, these are three guys who have been sort of hanging around who are still out there and let's, and they're all five stars. And these are the guys that, that really in terms of becoming the highest rated recruiting class of all time, these are probably the make or break guys of whether Ohio state does that. Let's start with the receiver, Nathan from Washington. Emeka. Emeka. Emeka Ibuke. Emeka Ibuke. Mm-hmm. They had some success getting G. Scott out of Washington. Again, this is a little bit of the, the West Coast push they have made. It's kind of been Egbuke and Troy Stellato, mm-hmm. who were the two receivers who were kind of floating out there. We know Stellato has committed to Clemson. Do you think this kid's going to end up being a Buckeye, and who is the major competition at this point? Is that, oh, it's is just that, so hard. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, I don't. Were you, you were asking me that, Doug? No, I was asking Stephen. But if if oh, any, whoever wants oh, okay. to answer, can I'll answer. Okay, I'll answer. It's Oklahoma, Washington, and Clemson, Ohio State. That's his top four. And at this point, I, I, a lot of these five stars whose you know, situations have been pushed back because of the coronavirus, he's at the top of that list of a guy who just wants to get on these campuses one more time before he makes a decision. But I'm pretty sure he's going to be an Ohio State guy, which is pretty impressive. That in back-to-back classes, Brian Hartline brought in the number one receiver in the country. He's the number one receiver, the number eight overall player. The Buckeyes have Jaden Ballard in this class for 2021 already. He's the number five receiver, the number 49 overall player. Um, Marvin Harrison Jr., then also the number 89 overall player, the number 14 receiver. And I think he's moved down the rankings a little bit lately. But yes. um, Nathan, just that idea, I like don't believe it, right? I mean, it it actually doesn't make sense to me. There's zero part of this that makes sense to me that they would bring in four top 100 receivers and then follow that up with three more top 100 receivers. I just, I just don't know that the math works out. Now I know that they are probably selling the kids. We play six, we play six, we play six. So we're not looking for three starting receivers. We're looking for six starting receivers. So even though we might have this talent backlog, you can still get on the field. I'm surprised that, Somebody out there is not working that against them, though. That seems, and whether you call it negative recruiting or whatever you call it, I would point to Julian Fleming, G. Scott, and Jackson Smith, Najigba, and Mookie Cooper and tell Egbuka, what are you doing, man? I know you're awesome, but what are you doing? Come here where you will be on the field right away. Nathan, don't. I just I'm I know how good Brian Hartline is at this. I just seems it almost seems far fetched to me, although it sounds like it might happen that they could pull this off with these seven guys at receiver within two classes. Yeah, back on March thirteenth, so back before the 
all everything our lives changed in so many ways um i wrote like a breakdown of the the positional priorities left for ohio state at that point this is before they went on the big run of commitments from um cornerbacks running backs especially and so those were the, at the top of the list um but i had quarterback 10th because they already had mccord and i had receiver ninth because again like what you're saying four guys from 2020 the two guys they already had coming in in 2021 um it didn't really even enter my mind i mean i i mentioned that they were still um going after Ibuka and, and some other people, but yeah, I, I agree with you. It, it's not something that makes sense on, on the surface. And it's one thing that I wonder if as this season plays out, assuming this season plays out as we, as normal, as the season plays out, will teams be able to further use what's happening in terms of wide receiver usage at Ohio state with just those guys who came in with last year's class as further evidence when they're recruiting against Ohio state to try to get Ibuka because are guys like G Scott and Jackson Smith and Jigba and Mookie Cooper, like these, those guys, how many reps are they going to get? How much of a rotation spot are they going to get? Are they going to fall farther back? And then you can look at that and say, say to people like, Hey, they're going to have pretty much the same group almost entirely intact next year. Where are you really going to fit into that? Even if you're as talented as, as a bouquet is, I think it's something that can, can definitely enter the conversation as far as people who are trying to recruit against them. Again, I think some is, of that depends on where he's going to play. Does he want to be outside or a slot guy? Because if he's outside, it's not compl- – I mean, Chris Olave could go pro after his junior year. That could happen. And the way Garrett Wilson's projected is projecting right now, he could go pro after his junior year. So by the time he's a sophomore, he's in the rotation. And we know Jackson Smith and Jake and Mookie Cooper are both slot guys. So you've only got Julian Fleming, G. Scott Jr., and Jamison Williams as your outside guys at that point. And it's no, so there's, maybe, there's maybe no if he wants only. to wait around until his sophomore year, that's that's one thing too. But there's other places saying, recruiting yeah. him that might be able to give him a spot right away. There's no only. There's no only. There's there's no greater jammed up receiver room in the country. I mean, there's no only. I mean, like this, it's like oh well, there's only there's only four or five stars ahead of you on the depth chart. There's not like there's seven. I mean, like it's it's ridiculous. And and I just I I mean like it's an incredible credit to Ohio State that this that this could be happening. Again, you can see it. C.J. Saunders, we don't even know what's happening with C.J. Saunders. He's a former walk-on. He might get a sixth year or not. And Demario McCall, who's like a converted, he's a running back. We have him listed at receiver. Who know? Those are the only two seniors on the roster that are anything close to receive. Only two seniors who are receivers. Jalen Harris, Elijah Gardner are redshirt fourth-year guys. I mean, if you could see them maybe being like grad transfers to other schools, again, is like, you again, we don't like to put that out there, but again, they just haven't played much. Olave might go pro. And yeah, it does, yes, you can see there could be some spots opening up, but still it's, the sophomores are Cameron Babb, Garrett Wilson, and Jamison Williams, the four freshmen, as we mentioned, and then bringing in three more. So, I mean, that's just – that's 10 guys in three years, and they're practically all, like, top 50 national recruits. It just boggles the mind. I don't know anything. I don't know anything. But I just will be very curious to watch this. Could this be a J.C. Latham kind of thing where it's Ohio State, it's Ohio State, Ohio State, Ohio State, and then all of a sudden it flips late. Jimmy Lake is the new coach in Washington who I think people are really excited about. Um, he's a local kid. I just, you know, could 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 Washington put on some kind of push to be like, dude, if you come here, you're going to set like every record in the book and make a late 
make a late run at him, right? That I just think that seems like something I, it doesn't feel like to me just as a, as a layman in the recruiting world that you can look at this and assume it's going to happen because you are recruiting against your own talent. And I feel like at some point that just gets sort of too hard to do. So we know they're in the lead. It's 94% crystal balls on 247 for Ohio State with the number one receiver in this class. But on some level, I'll believe it when I see it. And if I see it, my eyes will pop out of my head. And there's just nothing left to say about Brian Hartline at that point. Nothing left to say. I, I will say this. The longer they have to go without him being able to go and see some of these schools, I do agree that it helps Washington's case because they're already right there in his backyard. Right. And that is, we could just see some things. There are going to be with some kids, the coronavirus is going to end up influencing their final decision Mm -hmm. and that they're going to say, well, you know what, if I could have blank, maybe I would have gone somewhere else. But in this world, this is what I picked. Um, And I think Steven, you have a good point there. Let's go to another guy who's also the number one ranked recruit at his position. This one seems like a tougher climb. Tony Grimes out of Virginia. He's the number one cornerback in the country, the number seven overall player. Number one corner, Virginia beats Virginia, Princess Anne High School. He put out his top four last week. Ohio State was in that top four, Stephen, but it doesn't feel like Ohio State's at the top of the top four. Yeah, and I think him moving up his commitment date from December 1st to next week also is kind of a hint that Ohio State's probably not going to be the choice there, along with the fact that if we're talking about a long jam, I mean, you have five committed defensive backs in that room already because Kerry Combs did what Kerry Combs does and locked a lot of these kids down early. You know, it seemed like the long – he's almost the opposite of Emeka where it's, you know, the longer this went on, maybe Ohio State's chances were better, but him moving these this up six months earlier – it's probably a sign that, you know, as things are saying on this crystal ball, that North Carolina is probably going to get this kid. And that would be, you know, it's not a huge loss, but with what Kerry Combs has done with corners, Grimes was one of those guys that I certainly the whole time was like, man, this would be a get, right? But it's a logical get that, that as much as Kerry Combs has quickly sort of rebuilt the secondary recruiting and just running through it right now, Again, by the 247 rankings of the top defensive backs, Ja'Kalen Johnson committed to Ohio State. He's the number four defensive back. Uh, Andre Turrentine, the number 16 defensive back. Jansen Dunn, the number 25 defensive back. Uh, Jalen Johnson, the number 47 defensive back. And then I think we know Devonta Smith is the number 57 defensive back. So listen. Those kids are all really highly ranked. None of them are ranked as high as Tony Grimes. I was like super interested in Ohio State trying to get Tony Grimes. And like, I, you know, you're not disappointed, but he is 93% on the crystal balls to North Carolina right now, 7% to Georgia. You're always curious about who are the schools that impact Ohio State. North Carolina figuring it out and making having a recruiting revival under Mac Brown, that DMV area where Ohio State has been successful in the past and where Penn State has been successful at times and where there hasn't been sort of like a home state school really taking all the kids. 
Um, we know Mike Loxley at Maryland is going to make a greater recruiting push there. If Mac Brown at North Carolina starts sneaking up a little bit north and taking kids out of Maryland, D.C., Virginia, that's going to have an impact on Ohio State. So I don't know, Nathan. It's not the end of the world, but I sure would have liked to see Tony Grimes be a Buckeye. Well, I was literally going to ask, like, should Ohio State fans start recruiting, start rooting for North Carolina to have more recruiting success? I was thinking of it just in terms of the, the Clemson balance, right? Maybe you can take a couple people that Clemson would want from that same region or just make North Carolina better so they are finally that team that can give Clemson some kind of a game in the ACC. I know they did last year, but if they can start doing it more consistently, maybe that's something that helps Ohio State long-term too. And that starts with you know, to Clemson's Will Shipley, a North Carolina kid, maybe two years from now, that whoever that Will Shipley kid, he stays at North Carolina instead of going to Clemson. But to the point of Tony Grimes, it's almost with number one corner, you know, Jeff Okuda. Imagine if Jeff Okuda would have had, you know, Kerry Combs for his entire career and not just as a freshman. And that's what we're talking about with Tony Grimes, a number one corner in the country who was coming to play for a guy who we know has developed first round picks and past. But part of it feels like to me that Ohio State has taken so many defensive backs. Yeah, they must have a have had a feel along the way that maybe that wasn't going to go their way. Right. That. And again, we always talk about there are certain kids that you take them and you find a way to squeeze them in. And Grimes would certainly fit that category. But with all the defensive back recruiting they've done, they have not been waiting on Tony Grimes. And so it's not a devastating blow, because as you said, Stephen, Kerry Combs has been doing what Kerry Combs does. Um, But, you know. Number one recruit that at the at your position, kind of a big deal. Yeah. Last guy on that list, the other five star who's still a possibility, another Washington kid. Number two player in the country, strong side defensive end, number two defensive end. Say his last name again, Steven. JT Tumalau. Ninety-two percent to Ohio State on the crystal balls, eight percent to Washington. Uh, is this gonna happen, do you think? Of the three, this is the hardest one to read, basically because he he's not very open about his commitment. He's taking the Zach Harrison route with things. I think they might get him just based off of what you read in the small amounts that you can. But it's another situation of, man, is how many defensive linemen does Ohio State need? It's the same thing as a Mecca where you've already got Jack Sawyer, the number three player in the country. You've already got Tamisha Adeleje, who is the highest rated non-five-star in the country. So – it's not a – and then Mike Hall, another top 100 guy who's going to be defensive tackle for you. Him moving outside the defensive end instead of staying inside of the defensive tackle, it's the question of does he start – as things go along, and you're not really sure when he's going to make a decision here. Maybe, you know, Dakota Voss, as well as Emeka, has affected his ability to get on campus again. Does that impact some things? And does Washington get a chance to maybe sneak back in here, benefit of the fact that because he's not able to get on some of these campuses, he wants to stay closer to home? Yeah, I mean it's 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 funny you think about you think about these these top three kids, um, two Washington kids and a Virginia kid, and if they add them through the roof, and if but if they don't, even if they go zero for three on these guys, I mean it's not like you can be all right. I mean like what would you say like oh how could Ohio State miss <laughs> out on two five stars from Washington? Shame what? on you for not making history. Shame on you. Brian Day is a failure. I have – that gives me pause. You know, I mean, I, you know, what are you going to do? But that's but that's what we're talking about. Steven, like, if they don't – if they go 0 for 3 or even 1 for 3 on these three, star, three five-star kids, are they not going to be 
the highest rated class of all time then? Do they have to no. go at least two for three to get that? Yeah, they need to get at least two of these guys to be in that, com- that conversation. And the two of the three that maybe makes it a little easier are Mecca and JT just because of where their rankings are in comparison to where Tony's are. They need at least two of these to be in that conversation and maybe one of them, and if they just get one of them, it's probably going to secure that they're going to have a number one class in the country for 2021. But two of the three puts you with the Florida 2010, Alabama 2017, and Georgia 2018. Okay, so Stephen, are you prepared then to tell us how you think this class might actually finish rather than just going over me, uh, making us go over misses? Yeah, let's. Oh, I think they. I think JT and Mecca come. Um, okay, hold on. Let that. that let's tease it. Make okay. them listen to the commercial. I'm sorry. There's a commercial here. Hey, try the text six one four three five zero three three one five. Stephen, before we come back and have your predictions on how this is going to unfold, just tell the good people kind of the way. If you haven't been a tech subscriber, what we have done with sort of upping the recruiting content for our tech subscribers. Yeah, we fit the 2022 class very hard, and we're like chipping away at a lot of these 21 commits at this point. We've talked to every – by the time a lot of you hear this, Will, I've talked to every five-star who's already in the class, and more than half the class. And basically every day we're giving you tidbits on things that are eventually going to be on the site, sometimes two or three days before we even write it in a recruiting roundup for a site. We have a daily recruiting roundup. You guys are getting daily information, plus extra information when these guys talk about some interesting stuff. We've got a story coming later on next month about, about this same idea of Ohio State having possibly the highest rated recruiting class of all time. And I've been hinting at it through the text with a lot of the things these players have said. The text subscribers have already read the fact that Tamisha Adelaide said that we're going to be writing books about these guys. And now Travion Henderson said that they all agree that three national championships should be the standard at this point. That's the small stuff that you're getting on a daily basis from a recruiting angle. Every day around 5 o'clock on your drive home, that's what you're getting on your way home. It's a little gift from us about what, who we've been talking to that day and what we've been talking about. So try that, 614-350-3315. We'll be right back after this on Buckeye Talk, how this 2021 Ohio State class might finish out. All right, we're back. We're going to go through – let's go through the guys they have too, right? Because like, who wants to have a whole podcast of like, well, they didn't get this guy. They didn't get – here are the five stars they didn't get, Ohio State. Let's go through position by position, and Stephen, as we go, we'll talk about who they have, and then we can talk about whether we think they're going to add somebody else at that position. Does that mm-hmm. make sense, Stephen? Yeah. Okay. Kyle McCord, let's start at quarterback because, you know, who doesn't love a quarterback? Kyle McCord is the quarterback in this class. He is the number three overall quarterback in the class of 2021, the number 24 overall player. Uh, Steven, how, how you've talked to him a couple times lately. How fired up is this kid to get to Ohio State? He's ready to go. I've thrown the name Trevor Lawrence to around the, the idea of him winning a national championship as a true freshman out multiple times to him. I've written a story about it. He's completely on board with it. He was one of the first people I asked about what, where this 2020 class and maybe sitting his, historic, historically and in a way that maybe only a five-star quarterback could. He broke down every single person who was committed at the time, plus a lot of the guys that they're going after. Obviously, JT and Emeka are at the top of everybody's list. He's as pumped up as anybody to be in this class, and obviously they're not adding another quarterback. He's the third five-star quarterback in Ohio State has ever landed. Obviously, Terrell Pryor and Braxton Miller both started as true freshmen and he's really pumped up about being able to go three for three with five stars who are stars as true freshmen at Ohio State. 
Sam Heward, the number one quarterback in this class, he's part of the Heward legacy of quarterbacks. He's going to Washington, which also, when you think about Egbuka, the number one receiver, and Washington trying to get him, mm-hmm. Washington has the number one quarterback. So I don't know how that's factoring in um, to that recruitment. But, you know, if those are wide his choices. Receiver, yeah, wide receivers follow good quarterbacks. So, yeah. Do I want to go catch passes from Kyle McCord? That's awesome. But I also could go catch them from Sam Heward. And then the interesting factor in this, we know this story, J.J. McCarthy from Illinois. He's the number two quarterback in this class. He's committed to Michigan. Ryan Day picked Kyle McCord over J.J. McCarthy. J.J. McCarthy kind of wanted an Ohio State offer. They went with McCord instead. McCarthy said some inflammatory things to Ari Wasserman. Uh, he got, he picked Michigan, and now he's, like, out to get Ohio State. And if Kyle McCord and J.J. McCarthy wind up having some kind of quarterback rivalry within the game rivalry, that would just be oh so awesome. Um, Nathan, when you, when you think about this, Again, Kyle McCord was kind of was in the mix already when you got here, but like it's easy to take quarterback recruiting for granted when you just have like a top 25 national player locked in at quarterback for two years. But man, can you imagine if we were like sitting around saying like, man, who's Ohio State's 2021 quarterback going to be? Because I will tell you, there were years in the recent past where that's what we were doing. How big of a deal is it, do you think, not just to have Kyle McCord, but that he's like learning Ryan Day's offense now? Yeah, I mean, the benefits of it are almost immeasurable. I mean, to, to think that, you know, look at what how much consternation there was about this last cycle's running back recruiting and about how they're only getting a three-star or whatever for the, for the running back room. And, yeah, I understand that that did almost really kind of become a big problem, especially when Master T got hurt. But, like, the consternation you would feel being late in the cycle and not having a quarterback is massive. Um, to, 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 to now have not only the two options that are already in the program, already working with coaches, already have be, you know, started acclimating to college life and becoming Ohio State football players, and then have this other option who is potentially just as good or better than those guys waiting in the wings to come in. Um, that, there probably aren't very many quarterback situations in the country better than Ohio State right now. I'd, I'd be hard-pressed to think of one. And to that point of what I said earlier, why receivers follow the quarterbacks, is Marvin Harrison, maybe Jaden Ballard is just because he's from Ohio, but is Marvin Harrison Jr. in this class if Kyle McCord isn't the quarterback in this class? Because let's be honest here, of the three first commits, it was Jack Sword, Kyle McCord, and then Ben Christman joined that, that summer. Kyle McCord was the first one that was impressive because he was the first one that wasn't within 90 minutes of where your campus is. So who knows how this impacts some of these other high-level offensive players in this class who, if Kyle McCord, a five-star quarterback, isn't committed, two years before he gets on campus, also don't join the class because of that. So we think they are okay on quarterback because they're going to lose Justin Justin Fields after this year. They're going to lose Gunnar Hoke. He's a redshirt senior. Um, that's only three quarterbacks. Jack Miller, C.J. Stroud, Kyle McCord. I mean, is there is there a possibility of like a low-ranked quarterback filling in here? Or do you think that – I mean, they, we know they would rather – Ryan Day would like – four quarterbacks on the roster and at the moment there's only three scholarship quarterbacks planning to be on the roster in 2021 i think we've had that idea floating out there since last year of them going and find a lowly ranked guy who just knows who's the kenny guyton of course of this class but i think you're you're better off doing the chug situation where you get a you know an older guy who's a grad transfer who's a transfer in general who knows he's probably not going to play here but you know it's still willing to come here and play in a backup role 
So I think that's where the transfer portal comes in when you're trying to fill out the room at this point. But as long as you have, you know, the guys who might be your starter one day, be the guys you're recruiting and developing, I think they're fine. I understand the trepidation of only having three, like, front-line scholarship quarterbacks on the roster at one time. I understand Ryan Day wants four, but at some point you have to factor in, like, your recruiting capital to some extent, right? Like, how much time and energy do you want to necessarily spend on going and finding another quarterback for this class? I think I think the transfer portal makes a lot more sense when you're trying to add a guy who may be only your fourth option, but just to give you the four to kind of round that out, that makes a whole lot more sense to me than – then taking time away from recruiting the guys you still really want to fill out positions that might still be positions of need for this class. Especially when you can't go see them in person, which, you know, we, I've already asked Mark Mantoni about when we had him on the call. It's, with quarter, quarterback recruiting is so differently, you have to go see them in person, and they can't do that right now. So it's better to just use the transfer portal than taking that chance with somebody that you're not sure when you're going to be able to see this kid throw in person. Running back, they have the number one running back in this class, Trivion Henderson. They have the number six running back in this class, Evan Pryor. Pryor is the number 85 overall player. Trivion Henderson is the number 16 overall player. We all know that's great. We all know it's bouncing back from the running back misses of the 2020 class. Uh, Steven, you've been talking with Trivion a little bit recently. Just give people a little bit of the flavor of that conversation, what, what kind of kid Trivion Henderson is, because he's really – he seems very fired up to get here yeah I every recruiter I've talked to and then after I talked to him it kind of confirmed it the the idea that when he joined the class they all knew it'd be special and he said part of it is because the confidence that he brought obviously all these kids are confident they're you know high level players but the confidence he kind of brought in as the second guy to join the class who was the number one running back in the class really amped everybody else up he is in love with the idea of a two-back system because he's already thinking about I want my body to be as fresh as possible so I can get to that second contract in the NFL. He's thinking about that, which is to a benefit here. Ohio State's tried to have a two-back system before, and it didn't work out. And some of that is it just didn't seem like J.K. Dobbins bought all the way into that idea, and so he didn't have the, necessarily the season he wanted to have. Travion Henderson's bought into that idea already. He and Evan Pryor talk on a normal basis, and so they're coming in with the idea of, I love this because I'm going to have a fresher body. I'm still going to be able to get the amount of carries I want to get because Ohio State runs an up-tempo offense, which is 75-plus plays a game. So he's he's been the key to why the idea of could Ohio State have the highest-rated recruiting class of all time? Could they win three national championships? All these ideas started when he decided to join the class. I'm not going to stand for any J.K. Dobbins slander on that, though. It's not, that okay. is it's not, not necessarily. It's not necessarily slander. It's just, you know – we JK was clearly more comfortable with being the lone, you know, workhorse back there. That's all I'm saying. It's not necessarily slander. It's just what some guys prefer. And there's nothing wrong with that. When he was that, he had 2000 yards in a season. I will say this is great. And I'm, it's obviously what they've told Pryor and Henderson. And I think there is a lot of truth to it. Also, it sounds good in recruiting. I'm not like, I'm not saying it's not going to work. Yeah, you're right. I'm saying it sounds good in recruiting and let's check back um, when 2022 and they both are getting 14 carries a game and we'll see if everybody's hunky dory Um, or if one is getting 22 carries and one is getting six. I think it's easier for the guy who's the number one running back in the country who knows he's probably going to get on the field quicker to say it. I will say that. 
I mean, again, great. I, I, it's not easy to do, and we have covered the ground on it. It is not easy to get two running backs this highly ranked in the class. Um, I am not assuming it's going to be just 1,000% smooth when it gets here. Uh, but great, competition is great. You've got, you've got too many good players is a wonderful problem to have. Receiver, we kind of covered. The two committed guys, Jaden Ballard, number five receiver, number 49 player, Marvin Harrison Jr., number 89 player, number 14 receiver. Again, Steven, just Harrison, again, if you guys don't know, he goes to the same high school as Kyle McCord. That's the whole thing about him being there. They're not a package deal necessarily, but they're playing in high school at St. Joseph's Prep in Philly. Why did his ranking go down? Just because sometimes if some guys move up, some other guys have to go down? Yeah, I think that's what it is. It's almost as if him and Jaden have switched places in the recruiting rankings as he started to go down. Jalen Bowden started to go up in the rankings, and now he's a top 50 player. So I think that's what it is right now. But also, there's no camps or anything. So you're over. You're probably abusing film. And at this point, it's nitpicking when you're a guy who was a top 50 recruit when all of this started. And so you're probably they're probably finding things that are wrong with him. So, yeah, it's just the ebbs and flows of recruiting rankings at this point. You know, Jack Sawyer was the number one player in the country when the first rankings came out, and he's number three now behind two other strong side defensive ends. So – we don't think a quarterback as a recruit in this class, no more running backs in this class. In the end, if they don't get Egbuka, will they add another receiver or is are they I don't think so. I think it's a it's a bouquet or nothing. Okay. And you because of what we've already talked about. And your guess as we write this down and people driving and running outside as they listen to this, write this down. Are we writing down Egbuka for this class? Yeah. Okay, so that's one. That's as we go through. That's one that they we think they're going to add. Sam Hart is the only tight end for now. The number three set three seventy nine player. The number sixteen tight end. In the end, for for either of you guys, we just sort of talked about it. Like Nathan, do you think they wind up with the second tight end? Stephen, do you think they wind up with the second tight end? Nathan first. Yes. Stephen. No, not in the recruiting class possibly the transfer portal. I think they need a second tight end more than they need a second quarterback for sure. Well, well yeah, they're not going to add a second quarterback. That's not even a I'm question. I'm just saying like we, well, but we did, we <laughs> did float the question and I think that it's not even close, which one they need two of more than the other. So Jordan Dingle is a kid. They've been dancing around, right? He's from Kentucky. He's looking like a crystal ball to Kentucky. Mitchell Evans is an Ohio kid who's looking crystal ball to Michigan state at this point. We're just saying like, they're just in terms of like, well, who might other options be right. That I just, I just wonder if there's other, if there's other options op, out there that they could pull out of somewhere. Um, I don't know. I, it, it feels like they might need another one, but we'll let Steven make the final call on this. So if Steven's saying no, we'll say no on that. Let's go to offensive line and let's go to offensive tackle first. Um, they don't have one. Do you think they need one, Stephen, and do you think they'll wind up with one? I don't. I think they're, that J.C. Latham was their best bet. I understand the Tristan Lay thing, but I don't think that's going to happen um, in this class, and a lot of that is because they kind of went offensive tackle heavy in 2020. So I don't, I don't think they added – I don't think they necessarily – of the two, the inside and the outside, I think it's more of a need for guard than it is for tackle. So I think maybe they add another guard over a tackle. So Ben Chrisman and Donovan Jackson, as we mentioned before, yeah. the two guys who are committed at guard, both highly ranked guards. Who's a, Is there a name that you would attach to who that guard could be? 
Jagger Burton, 119 in the country, the number seven guard, four-star guy who just pushed back his recruitment a little bit, which you know, sometimes that helps, sometimes it hurts. Maybe that helps Ohio State as a guy who wants to get on campus for all of his official visits before he makes any decisions. So that's a guy to keep an eye on out of Kentucky at that. Okay, so are you saying probably him, yes or no? Yes. Okay, so keeping track, that's two more offensive guys then? It's just the receiver and the guard, right? Yeah. Because you're not sure on tackle. All right, mm -hmm. let's go to the defensive side of the ball. Let's start on the defensive line. They have Jack Sawyer and Tumiche Adelie at defensive end. Mike Hall at defensive tackle. Do they add anybody else on the defensive line, you think, Steven? JT Tumalau or nothing. Okay, so do you think they'll get him? I think so. Yeah. Okay, that would be quite a I defensive mean, line haul. Yeah. Um, that would be quite a defensive line haul. JT, again, is the number two player in the country. Jack Sawyer, who's in this class, is the number three player in the country. And Tumiche, who's in this class, is the number 32 player in the country. So though you're talking about if they got that, they'd, they'd wind up with three of the best seven defensive linemen uh, in this class. And then Mike Hall, again, is not, not very far behind. They'd wind up with four top 60 national kids just on the defensive line. That would be quite a haul. Okay, so that's another one we're adding for this class. Now let's look at linebacker. Is there anybody at linebacker? They have Reed Carrico and Jalen Johnson. We're calling Jalen Johnson a linebacker. Is there another linebacker they add here, Steve? No, they've only offered 11 guys, and there are only five who are uncommitted, and none of them seem to be going in Ohio's favor. I don't think they do, which to that point probably makes 2022 pretty interesting when it comes to how many linebackers they need to add. And they are, again, you and Cam Fields, and we will do a 2022 recruiting podcast sooner than later. They really are in on – they're out to basically every major linebacker in the country, yeah. and a lot of feedback from a lot of the major linebackers in the country are, we like Al Washington. Yeah, and that starts with Gabe Powers, a top 100 kid in your backyard who probably would be in Ohio State's class right now if it weren't for the coronavirus and all that other stuff. But, yeah, it, it seems like 2022 is going to be heavy, heavy on the linebacker, which makes sense when you look at the scholarship chart of the guys who are expected to be gone in the next two years. Okay, so now we'll go to the defensive backfield. Four corners, and, again, there's, a, there's some maneuverability with this. Some guys are classified by the recruiting systems as safeties, but Ohio State pegs them at corners. Some guys are classified as defensive backs. Ohio State might see them as a bullet linebacker-type kid. We have Devonta Smith, Ja'Kalen Johnson, Andre Turrentine, and Denzel Burke. We're considering all those guys corners, and Jansen Dunn a safety. Any more defensive backs here in this class, Steven? No, I think Tony Grimes is probably their best bet. Maybe Derek Davies, but he's trending towards Penn State at this point. So I think they're, they're set with the five, with obviously Jalen Johnson probably being a Sam linebacker. Okay, and so then we know they also have added um, – What's the Australian kid's name? Jesse, Jesse Mirko. 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 He's the yeah. punter. Um, and so that's it. Like, so you're at this point, they have 19. Mm -hmm. And what we just went through, you only have three more guys being added to this class. Yeah. Two five-stars, the receiver and the defensive lineman. Mm -hmm. And then who was the other one? Jagger Burton, the four-star guard. Okay. What do we think of that? Is that so? That would be at twenty-two, and that's what we had projected when you you writing this back in April. We're thinking maybe a twenty-two man class. They are currently at eighty-six total scholarships. Um, actually, they're they're a little. They're, I think they might be at eighty-eight. Um, for so you know, when you start adding in guys, 
that sounds about right to me. I know I think some other people would say, no, they're going to go more than 22. They're going to go more than 22. As we always say, if it's for the right guy, they'll push and make room. But as we sit here, I don't know, Nathan, you and I don't follow this stuff as much as Steven does. Them adding only three more, does that make sense to you, Nathan? It would make sense if that's all it ends up being, but I also think that there's room for an additional, like if they wanted to get a second tight end, if they wanted something. I mean, they're going to have enough guys, as we've already projected, from this junior class kind of coming off the books. I think they're going to have some flexibility. So, Stephen, in the end, and this isn't fair because this is not how it actually works, but it actually is this, this is how perception is in recruiting. A lot of times when you get guys late, you, it's kind of more exciting, right? When you have guys signing on signing day. But actually, if you're when you're recruiting, you would rather get guys early and get your good players and lock them down and then be able to move on to the next classes as they have done with 2022. But when you consider that they didn't get J.C. Latham, they have these three five stars out there. You know, will they get – they're probably not going to get all three because we don't think they're going to get Grimes. It would be great if they got two. That would be huge. If they only get one – and this probably isn't even worth talking about, but like, are they losing like any bit of quote, like momentum in this? Because there was a time when the coronavirus first started, when it felt like Ohio state football was the only school in the country that was still recruiting. Which is why I don't think it's a loss of momentum. I just think everybody else is playing catch up to what Ohio state was already at. Like we see Alabama, Ohio state's still only one of two schools with more than one five-star kid committed and that's because Alabama just added JC Latham so I don't know if it's loss of momentum or they just got things started so early and got out the gate so early that everybody else is playing catch up and because Ohio outside of Denzel Burke who was within the last few weeks here they've been pretty quiet it seems like a loss of momentum when really it's just we got done what we needed to get done early so now we can kind of go reach for the stars a little bit no pun intended but and finish out this class with you know some star power like Emeka Ubuke or JT Tumalau. And as we've said, you know, they're so far ahead in the total points. They are also still ahead in the average player rating. So their average player rating is 95.3. Clemson's at 94.3. Some of the classes, sometimes when you don't have as many guys, it's sometimes easier to have a higher one. Georgia is at 94.1. Alabama's at 94.3. So they have quantity and quality, 19 verbal commits, four five-stars, 11 four-stars, three three-stars, and the Australian punter. That's the class. So, I mean, it's great. It's great. And I know we had a texter ask about this, like, are there any shaky commitments in 2021? And also, like, that's not really fair. Sometimes people have, like, some really inside info on stuff. But, listen, it's like these kids' lives and that kind of thing. But I don't know I don't know that there would be one that would, like, leap to the front of, like, every now and then you can feel a kid. It's like, man, it might just be hard to hold on to that kid. Does it, is there a kid in this class, Stephen, where maybe just like the logistics or the geography or something would, would make Ohio State fans worried about maybe we'll lose this guy? Not now. And I know Evan Pryor had to come out and say no one's flipping him. He's staying in the class. But I think a lot of that is to what we talked about with, you know, Travion Henderson. He's the number one running back in the class and just shot up the rankings as a five-star kid. So maybe people thought to the point of, I'll see if people really want to be a part of the two-back system the way they say they are during recruiting. So he had to come out and say that. But Right now, no, it doesn't feel like anybody is shaky because 
you know, the only room that's you know large right now is his defensive back room, and that's because Kerry Combs is the the charismatic figure that he is. So, again, 11 top 100 players, according to the 247 Sports Ranking. Jack Sawyer is 3, Travion Henderson 16, Donovan Jackson, the guard, is 21, Kyle McCord 24, Tumichi Adelier 32, Ja'Kalen Johnson 43, Jalen Ballard 49, Mike Hall 55, Reed Carrico 69, Evan Pryor 85, Marvin, Har- Marvin Harrison Jr. 89. Um, it's really good. It's really good. What um, helps with that is when you're talking about Shaky, this is a very Ohio-centric class, you know, and I understand they talked about wanting to do, but also you did it in a year where the five best players are all top, you know, 114 players in the country. So it's it's easier for guys to stick along with the program when it's their home school, that their dream school they grew up, you know, wanting to play for to keep kids from getting shaky and maybe flipping. That's one of those things. It's easy to take the Ohio kids for granted, except when an Ohio kid goes somewhere else and everybody loses their mind, as we talked yeah. about, like with Jackson Carmen um, a couple classes ago. So, yeah, you can't – I don't give them as much credit, but you cannot just shrug your shoulders when it's like, oh, yeah, by the way, they are completely getting all the best players in the state of Ohio. Um, and Michigan is not coming and stealing guys. And Penn State is not coming and stealing guys because – you know, you look at the best players in, in Pennsylvania and Penn State can't say the same thing. When we talked with, with Bob Flounders last week about Penn State recruiting, that's one of their issues. They're not keeping all the best kids in Pennsylvania. But the three of us talked about that. So that's a reset of the 2021 class. Sometimes I think it can be hard to follow recruiting like on a podcast because sometimes you like want to go down lists and whatever. We have a scholarship chart uh, at cleveland.com if you want to just, just Google Ohio State football scholarship chart and cleveland.com if you want to see sort of how everything kind of fits together. That can help sometimes. Um, We continue to write a lot. We have these recruiting roundups, um, multiple days a week that go up in the morning. If you want to start your day with kind of what's the latest with uh, Ohio State football recruiting. And then as Stephen mentioned, we're doing a lot more on the text with that. If you just want these little tidbits, conversations, Stephen and Cam Fields, call these kids. They get off the phone with them and we hit the text. So that's how we work on that right now. So we needed to do that. We hadn't done it in a while. Um, it is interesting when a, when a group is, you know, here we are in mid-June and signing days in December, and they already have 19 guys in the class. So um, three more, we think. Three more, Stephen Means says. And, I, and I, I think I might agree with Nathan that maybe that second tight end, that would push them to, to four more, to 23. But I think, you know, that's where we'll stand for now. A class is going to wind up maybe around 22 or 23 people. And, uh, you know, if there's guys they have to push for, maybe they'll go beyond that. But for now, Stephen, thanks for doing all the heavy work there, man. You know, it was fun. It was a lot of numbers and a lot of, you know, rankings here or there. So that to, the, to your point, you probably, well, probably will need to put this in writing form. But, you know, it was fun. I mean, you it's one of those things. You know, people, I, I looked, it's like we did five, the five most recent recruiting misses last yeah. week. More people listened to the five recruiting hits podcast the week before then listen to the five recruiting misses podcast. So note to self, watch the negative headlines when you're trying to get people to listen to your podcast episode. Well, yeah, nobody wants to hear, hey, come look at how many w- ways the team you rooted for failed. Yeah, everything Ohio State has done wrong. It's like, oh, no one listened to that. Uh, it wouldn't be as long as everything they have done right, but, you know, you got to keep it real. So anyway, it's going very well. Um, and we're going to keep uh, writing about this recruiting stuff. Wednesday dynasty what would an ohio state football mini dynasty look like 
That's what we're going to get into Wednesday. And I had thought maybe we would include the Nebraska preview on the Wednesday podcast. I just finished the Nebraska interview with the Nebraska writer. It was pretty good. I think maybe I will make it the standalone Thursday podcast and have us do a little bit more discussion between the three of us, not about Nebraska, but sort of around Nebraska. So we'll see. But Dynasty Talk, I think, is going to be super interesting. Make sure you are here for that on Wednesday. So for now, on behalf of Nathan and Steven, I'm Doug. Try the texts. And that was Buckeye Talk. <laughs>